Hi, I'm Lucy, a spiritual life coach. I'm Cheryl, a fitness and life coach. Welcome to our podcast, Find, Find Your Happy. Happy. Every week, we discuss different ideas and techniques to help you live a happier, more purposeful life. So let's get started. If you're a mum that's fed up of feeling whatever you do isn't good enough and you're ready to transform your mindset and gain the confidence to live a life beyond your wildest dreams, then check out our free workshop. There's a link in the show notes and it'll help you discover how to banish mum guilt, burnout and self-doubt and how to manifest the life you've always wanted. So this week we have an extra special guest for you to meet. We are going to be introducing you to Alex Boyangu. He has been a therapist for over 30 years and he focuses on the unity of body and mind. He's also trained in EMDR, which is a technique used to help people process and resolve trauma successfully. So let's get started. We just thought we'd start with asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself, really. Oh boy. (laughs) That's always a loaded question. question. People ask me like, what's your story and who are you, what you do? And and I've been fortunate in my life to say that who I am and what I do seem completely inseparable for me. And and what I do is the deepest expression of why I'm here. And so I feel very fortunate to be doing the journey that really aligns with me. And that journey is my own uh, deepest um, coming home to myself, to my deepest aspect of being, if I should say it that way. And then the same journey with, with people. That's the simplest way that I can summarize who I am. All the other details are irrelevant in a way. You know, my education. What The most important thing is that I live, I live the life that I do with people. Yeah. That is amazing. Uh, yeah, that's, that just sounds like the ideal life, <laughs> the ideal situation. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I have my stuff that comes up in life that happens and, you know, sicknesses, illnesses, this and that. But it's, um, it, I would, I would, I'm, I'm with everything that's happened to me in my life and a lot's happened, I still say that in that the journey is what really is important and all those things have made me who i am have made me realize much deeper aspects so it's so it's like it is it's perfect as it is yeah i love that that's fantastic that we can only aspire yeah that's what we aspire to reach ourselves i would definitely say what my day job is and who i am are not aligned at the moment so hopefully Mm. i will get there one day yeah and i'm on the I, I'm slightly aligned in that I um, I get to help people in my day-to-day job. So that's slightly aligned, but I need to yeah. make a little bit of a shift away from the specific job role that I'm in. And, and, and what I'm speaking about here is not just job. Right? Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really honoring the unfolding of what's most meaningful. And, and, and really listening to that. And that manifests in everything that we do in our life. And to be honest with you, on a relative level, there may be circumstances in our lives where we cannot do the job due to where we live, due to circumstances in the world that we may not be able to do the exact expression of who we are. Yet, we still can live that expression while 
doing that and working our way in other areas of our life to make sure that they fall under the under the umbrella of our own wholeness and 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 beingness, right? Yeah. So I don't want to I don't want to paint it as that you know uh, if we're not doing exactly, then you know it's bad. No, there's a journey to be made. Yeah, 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 for everybody. Um, I think it's easy to get caught up in the just literally getting up, going to work, coming home, sorting the kids out, yeah, going to bed, doing the same thing over and over every day. Um, yeah. but there's de- there's definitely better ways to be living, isn't there? Um, as we are going through our own sort of uh, journey, s- journey, spiritual yeah. enlightenment, whatever you want to call it, at the moment. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And you can you can feel that. You know, when you say those words, you can you can embody and feel those words, and you can feel the movement of that. That's begging. The expression and a, and, and a creation in that direction and 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 what happens is when we get busy with our lives we stop listening to that yeah, yeah. so the meditate a meditative life stays very close to the fire of, of 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 being and then you you know you're with the kids yeah still still close to the fire you're going to work you're still close to the fire it doesn't mean that all of a sudden we have to leave everything. I mean, it's good to do that sometimes to really deepen the contact and then return and live the contact. It yeah. takes time. That's a serious dedication. And uh, invest in time in yourself, which I don't think everyone finds that easy to, to do, do they? The modern Western world has <laughs> yeah. been, has been, has been uh, what's the word? proposed that you have to destroy yourself and work yourself yeah. into the grind to then go get rest. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that, that is the typical way of living, um, especially here in England. Uh, that's what we are told we should be doing. And that's how we're made to um, aspire to be. I'd say that's what schools teach. Yeah. 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 Trying to yeah schools don't teach. Children. Yeah. They, 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 Schools teach parts, not holes. Yeah. In, in saying all this, just to say this, in, in saying all this, I want to be very clear that we don't get gloom and doom. Okay. Uh, it, it's really important then to say, okay, here's the circumstances. So we're alive at a time that that society looks a certain way. Mm-hmm. There's a philosophical, there's a philosophical, psychological, spiritual momentum, let's say, where we live. We, we have to take action and 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 put it in our own hands to say who am I within this context and do I need to follow it? Can I follow, do, how do I follow this? Do I do it my own way? Like, th- I think we, we have to like reclaim and get away from the, ah, this sucks all the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Very important. The more, yeah, the more you think about how bad your situation is, you're only attracting more negativity, aren't you? So. Yes. Or, or listen closely and you can't, we can't artificially look for positives. Yeah. I want to, I want to be, because that can become a very hokey pokey game too on the spiritual path. Like, oh, I'm going to look at things in a positive way. Um, that can still become a frustration because if, if the lens of doubt and insecurity and negativity is still there, even in the artificial, I'm going to look at things positively, doesn't take away from that deep embedded in the body sense of feeling a lack. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So, so to try to really see things as they are, and, and, and that means neither negative or positive, but as they are. Yeah. The whole point of the med- the whole point of the meditative path is to be present as it is, mm. without the filters of either positivity or negativity. Because in as it is, it's going to be clear. It's going to be full of certain qualities that we're not familiar with. And most of all, we're going to feel deeply, deeply content. So I'm not a big, sorry to say this, but I'm not a big hokey pokey no. into the looking at things positive and framing them that way. That's artificial to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, want, I, I want to experience what the now is without any lens. Very nice. I like that. No, I get that. Because if, you, yeah. if you're just saying affirmations over and over again to try and be positive, but you're not actually looking at the whole picture it's not going to work is it it hasn't it hasn't it has never worked yeah the positive affirmation field has failed horribly because it's it's, everything else as well so so what i am really interested to find out more about is emdr so could you tell us a bit about what it is and how it helps people. Sure. It was uh, 2015. Um, let me back up. In 2007, I went into a private practice uh, with, uh, with, a, with a company um, in Connecticut where I was living and um, they specialize in addiction. And before that, I was doing therapy for a long, long time, but it wasn't necessarily a specialty in addiction. It was seeing people for a variety of things. But this was really like addiction based. And I walked in and I thought I had, was prepared, having had many years of experience already, you know, at that point, what, 1991, what was like 17, 18 years. I thought, okay, I'm ready for this. What I realized was that, that the field of addiction I was not yet familiar with. And I really dove in and, and I realized with the help of other people and, and working with people that addiction was due to trauma. And addiction was the extreme version or the extreme representation of what goes on in society as the expression of feeling disconnected, disembodied, traumatized. And I was like, I've got to figure a way to how to help people here. So I myself trained as a somatic psychotherapist uh, using yoga, meditation, breath work, Tibetan yoga, I mean, all the somatic work. And then I realized I need more. And it was EMDR. I uh, did some research and I realized that EMDR at the time that I went to go get trained was the number one uh, used uh, method in the world for trauma treatment. I didn't know that at the, at the time. And uh, so I completed my initial training in EMDR, which was several weekends with an amazing top level EMDR. Uh, coach. Then I decided I wanted more and I completed an additional year, which you don't have to. And, and I worked with a, uh, a mentor every week for the whole year and really dug into the understanding of EMDR, how it works, how to use it. And I started using it with everyone related to everything, not just addiction, but literally anything that you can imagine somebody coming in with EMDR plus what else I was doing was working so effectively. Clients were coming in and leaving within three, six, three to six months of therapy. 
Wow. I, 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 I could not believe it from, from people coming in with what I call single incident traumas. Like for example, let's say you get into a car accident and that trauma gets locked in their body. From that to you know more severe childhood abuse, sexual abuse, and things like this, violence and things like that, right? Those took take take more time, longer, you know, period. So, EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, is a is a term that um, came out of the work as, of Francine Shapiro, who started the field of EMDR. She was the discoverer. Uh, now it's a little bit over 25 years. And um, the story goes that one day she was walking, I think it was, she was walking in the woods in the park somewhere, and she was feeling a little bit anxious and she noticed that the anxiety went away and she didn't realize why. And she was reflecting, reflecting, and she noticed that she was looking at the trees left and right bilaterally. Did the bilateral eye movements seem to calm me down? This, this is kind of like her thought process. And that began the field. And you just can imagine the research and all the literature and the neurobiology. And um, she developed a whole system for it. And it's uh, been incredible. How does it work? Just to, so people understand, right? So it yeah. doesn't seem. We need to understand the beginnings of trauma to understand how EMDR works. So when we're conceived, the one of the first things to develop is our nervous system right so our nervous system and our brain is the interface between who we are and the outside world just i want you to think about that right it's incredible it's the nervous system the nervous system is there to decide on what's safe and what's not safe simply that's it it doesn't have you know doesn't have to do another job it's simply safe or not safe so the child immediately in utero is experiencing the conditions of the mother and the environment in its nervous system. So immediately that nervous system is taking shape. It's forming to adapt. And it's ad adaptation. If the environment is safe, the child is like, ah, I can be myself. We know children that grew up in families where they were just who they were really was honored. You know, like there was allowed to, you know, to come out. Well, what happens in environments where, where the environment, the society, the culture, maybe an entire nation, right? Where there's a lot of trauma and suppression, maybe war-torn countries. It doesn't have to be. It could be simply in the United States or UK where you grew up in a family where there's addiction, there's violence, there's parents who are dis, 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 you know, embodied themselves. All that starts to create in a very uptight nervous system. It's very rigid. And simply then everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we think is coming out of that trauma. And we live the momentum of the trauma. It's the continuation, it's like an arrow being shot. So then we're just being, so then we think we're living our present life, but we don't really understand that we are living the expression of the trauma. Okay. Yeah. It's very, 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 oh, very powerful. Yeah. yeah. Right. So then, then we start to think. Wait a second. Everything in my relationships, everything at work, everything that I interact with, all my my thinking and emotions, is the expression of that trauma, which has trapped my sense of self, and distorted it. And usually, we find not usually everybody who I meet 
there's a perception that there's something wrong with them. There's something lacking within me as an individual. And then what happens is we try to deal with that sense of lack and how do we deal with it? With every possible way that you can imagine we do, you know, from engaging in relationships, uh, trying to make money, drinking, drugs, alcohol, sex. I mean, every possible way to deal with the trauma and the fact that I'm feeling a sense of lack. EMDR works by allowing memories and the nervous system to calm down and to perceive the truth of what was happening to that child for them. So I'll give, let me give you an example. I'll make one up. Let's say a child is in the kitchen with their father and mother and, um, and the child is getting a cup of water and they drop it and it breaks and the father's like, you're so stupid. In that moment, the child shortens their breathing. First thing that happens <clears throat> because that, that energy is an insult to the nervous system. In that moment, the child doesn't think, oh, my father is stupid. It's like, I, it's my fault. This, I, I caused this. Therefore, on some level, I deserve it because this has probably been going on with the father in different ways. So it's not just the first time. So it just becomes just a continuation. The child then doesn't, they don't do this on purpose. The nervous system then traps that sense of something's wrong with me. And then I've got to deal with my father's energy. Maybe I become the good little girl and say, daddy, I'm going to clean up and let me clean up everything else. Oh, you're being a good little girl. Now, all of a sudden, being a good little girl means that's how you get daddy's approval. So I've got to shut myself off, be something else to appease my, my daddy. EMDR, what it does is then it allows that story to be there, the image of that story to be there, but it relaxes the emotional response. Then everybody who I work with, they end up going, my goodness, that wasn't my fault. See, I feel like everyone would need therapy. Yeah. Everybody needs that. Everybody, 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 everybody. I mean, literally, literally everybody. So then, then you know, you know, imagine you're being 25, 35, 45, 50, 75, and you, and you go, for the first time, you realize that, that was not my fault. Yeah. Talk about the transfer. That, that alone is worth everything. Yeah. There's that. And then there's when you're a parent thinking you might have snapped at your own children and then caused that trauma. Them. I know. Yeah. Look, um, it's easy to become neurotic about this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the best thing to do is to continue resolving that sense of lack yeah. and coming home, coming home to ourselves. Yeah. Then, then we'll be the best parents we can. And, and, and no child goes into their adult years unscathed with some conditioning that we've put in. So let's not be foolish to think that there's a utopia yeah. of unscathed, unscathed conditioning. No, everybody gets conditioned. It's just being yeah. human. Yeah. That's it. You know? So, well, I don't know anyone that's had therapy. No, it's not. Um, it's not as I don't know if it's a UK thing that not as widely used in the UK. I think we tend to refer to it as counselling. Um, which is a different um, process from therapy anyway. Um, yes. So it's not as widely known here in the UK. Which is such a shame because yeah. when you hear like America, for example, it's very much encouraged that, like you said, everyone's probably got something in their past yes. that you need to yeah. resolve. Whether whatever happened, whether it was at school with your parents, whether it was a trauma, you need to make peace with yourself and realize, you know, it wasn't, you didn't do anything wrong. 
per se. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, do you, do you, because I think you have clients from all over the world, um, people from all over the world that come to yeah, you. All over the world. Do you get many people from the UK getting yes. contact with you? A lot. Ah, yeah. so maybe we just don't talk about it then. We might, there might be. Repress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, usually people find me, you know, through through some, you know, word of mouth with other people who've seen me in, in the, in the mm -hmm. UK and then people who, you know, have had, you know, interactions with the NSA and who were told that they need to go to cognitive behavioral therapy, which is the only, seems to be the only option to deal with the panacea of everything that's going on with you. And once that fails, the people are like, I need to go to the private sector and, and, and mm -hmm. find someone. And, and that's when I usually come in, you know. Okay. I think that's all they offer our, our NHS uh, six free six free which is yeah. I know the system I know, I know I know I know the system <laughs> <laughs> too well <laughs> how would you say that psychology and spirit spirituality relate to each other yeah yeah um, people ask me that question all the time in the west psychology has been based on the notion that I exist as a mind, mm. not as an embodied being. Spirituality has the philosophical, and not only philosophical, but lived experience that I am an embodied being. So where, where psychology fell short was working with the mind. Well, the mind is not who I am. The mind is simply the, the experience of all of my learned information. That's not my, that's not who I am. So for me, spirituality and psychology are simply a, a, a spectrum of development. And so I actually even let those two words go and I use the following analogy. Imagine I'm, I, at, at an early age, I started to wear a jacket, okay? And, I, and it's really zippered up really tightly and then over time, it just doesn't fit me anymore and it's still tight. And I know it's not who I am, but I still continue to wear it and so forth. Then eventually I realized I need to do something about it. So the movement from psychology to spirituality, if you want to have it that way, is it's the recognition that I am not this jacket and I'm going to slowly unzipper it and let it go. Everything that we often relate to psychology is the jacket. And what we relate to in, in spirit is we say that is which is free of the jacket. But, but, but the thing is this, as human beings, we still are going to work with our conditionality. It doesn't go away, but it depends on from what perspective. If I embodied, em, embody my fullness, then I could live my life within the human conditionality and see it through the lens of the embodiment versus I'm disembodied and I'm a thinking mind trying to become whole. It's not gonna work. So psychology has, has, has changed over the, over the years, especially with the work, work of Carl Jung. And Carl Jung's work basically said in his opus, magnus opus, opus magnus, that there are four stages of development. And the last stage of development is that the, that the ego or the psychological self is in the service of the spiritual self. For him, that was the highest level of development. So psychology and spirituality, in the West it's psychology, in the East it's been spirituality, and now they've come together and everybody's trying to figure out how do they all 
come together. And in the West, what we're trying to do is we're trying to use spirituality to support our own psychology, which is really interesting, right? Mm -hmm. So we still want to be like, oh, I want to use these things, but I'm going to still stay disembodied. And then we take, you know, we kind of pick and choose these small little pieces we think are, are going to work, but no, because there's a lack of deep understanding of who am I and why am I here and what to do. So, you know, we need we need we need psychology to keep going in direction. It's, it's improving. There's a lot of change that's been happening. A lot of really good change. The transpersonal psychology field, the existential psychology field, the embodied somatic psychology field has really brought us into the forefront. All of the new somatic uh, therapies that have grown in the last 20 years have really changed psychology. So in a positive way, we have taken the East and we've homegrown new methods that the East needs from us. Yeah. So good things, are, good things are happening. Yeah. And for our listeners, would there be anything uh, or a book or other than obviously coming to yourself, anything you would recommend that they could do to start them on that path? To find out who they are. Yeah. Um, the self-help book field is... <laughs> billions of dollars big yeah. right yeah and every joe and schmo is writing a book and putting it on the shelf on the seven steps to help yourself the 3.5 steps to help yourself the 17 steps of undoing this that i mean there everybody has written a book with different numbers and the quickest roads to this and the four statements that you tell yourself and you become enlightened it's full of a lot of crap right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm very honest about this kind of stuff. It does, so, no, it's good. So to, in order to suggest a book, it has to match the person in, yeah. In, yeah. The, in their worldview mm. and it has to touch them deeply. So I have my set of, let's say, my top five books that I would say, I, I've had a library of, let's say, 500 books in my life. Mm -hmm. If I took all 500 and I said, and I can and get it and take the top five, the, those top five for me have been transformative in my life. But if I tell you the top five for another person, they're gonna be like, they make, they don't make any sense. I don't yeah, get it. Or yeah. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work for me. So I'm sorry to, you know, to answer it that way, but I would start to tell people, you know, start reading and, and, and let the reading Go and ahead. talk to someone. Yeah. And talk to someone. I mean, I really suggest to, you know, that, share with someone what you're reading and what you're exploring. There are people who are becoming interested in this kind of things, you know, book groups, uh, online people are starting to get together when things, things, when this blows over, getting together through, you know, meetups and talking to people about these kind of things. Then people are going to be like, try this book. That, I mean, that happens all the time. Yeah. So. I think just the concept of you're not your mind is pretty mind blowing to me. Yes. I'd say. Um, I am. You're not, you are not your, you're not your thinking. Yeah. I've only recently uh, read about that, to be honest. I've only recently come to grips with that, but that is a bit of a game changer, I'd say. It makes you uh, there's a, look at There's things. a lot of people who are, there's a lot of people who are writing about this mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it belongs more into the category of like the East-West psychology books that are being, you know, like for example, Mark Epstein's book, uh, Thoughts Without a Thinker, was incredible. This was this was an early book from 24 over 25 years ago, probably still a, an incredible book to read for anyone who wants to understand Thoughts Without a Thinker. That's incredible, mm -hmm. you know. 
And uh, if you put his book into Amazon, and then you'll start to see people making comments on other books that are similar to that. I would do it that way if, if that's yeah. something that draws you. You know, if you were, if you didn't have much money and you couldn't afford to go to a therapist, but you wanted to start this journey or um, try and live a happier life, try and be less stressed, what would what would you, where would you start? Would you start with like meditation or something like that? If you're on your own, you know, and you really are not, let's say connected to something. Look, it's hard to un, un, uncondition yourself because yeah. you're, gonna try, you're gonna try to uncondition yourself through the methods by which you become conditioned. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, the, the way I'm perceiving then is an attempt to unperceive myself. Yeah. So it's 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 a bit tricky in that way. Yeah. I, I would I would say to answer that question, one is breathing. Let me start with the power of breath, where you don't need to go to a therapist. Learning how to breathe correctly into the whole body, into the whole system, does an incredible job of calming the nervous system down. We all need to create more calm nervous systems mm -hmm. and remember something thoughts and emotions arise out of out of out of the nervous system so watch this if the nervous system is agitated thoughts and emotions are agitated yeah if if the nervous system is calm thoughts and emotions are calm that should tell you immediately like wait a second that's quite incredible so therefore i am not my thoughts let me examine the nervous system What's happening there? Yeah. So breathing, breathing, yoga, meditation, Tai Chi, Qigong, you know, all of these arts that have to do with calming the nervous system, becoming embodied, um, which then allows you to examine yourself in a more loving, kind way. Those are great, you know, steps to do. Those you can do by yourself probably to some degree until you may run up into walls where you're like i don't know what's going on i don't understand it I, I need someone from the outside to you know figure that out you know yeah so if someone wanted to start dealing with their issues what what we what we what is referred to as shadow work um would you always suggest that is done with a therapist because i know there's guided meditations on YouTube where you can do this stuff yourself but that type of thing where you are going to be bringing up thoughts about you know past traumas and stuff is that opening a can of worms should you go to a therapist would you say shadow work is basically visiting that which has been repressed right mm -hmm. that which has been repressed repressed has a lot of power and energy to it and it feels as though it has an identity to itself and we're being impinged by that energy. That energy is not a demon or a monster or anything. It's simply the energy that was formed during trauma and, we, and, and it became turned on ourselves, as I said before. That then gets suppressed into the shadow, into the, another way of saying it, into the unconscious. So then what happens then we go to do the work and we say, okay, I'm going to listen to something on YouTube. And then all of a sudden, the guided meditation opens you up and opens up that door and you haven't been prepared. Yeah. You have to be prepared. You have to, you have to know how to work with that material. 
or it easily can become very overwhelming very quick and then you can also shut it down really fast and then it just re-traumatizes the whole process right so you have to learn and be ready it's like mountain climbing you got to get ready to go mountain climbing yeah so shadow work shadow work is you got to be prepared and in, in in good therapy the therapist will help support the client in the unfolding you know uh steps of how to work with that right right in the session and uh that's what happens and then the the client feels safe if they feel unsafe then we use certain methods to help them deal with that right there and then they learn and after learning it for three to six months then they can go work on their own shadow stuff. No problem. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Actually, we had a quick question about how do you deload? How do you switch off? Um, after a therapy session with somebody, how do you yourself then not take on board those feelings, not take on board other people's emotions? I don't, I don't deload afterwards because um, I've been committed in my life to, to experience um, my own groundedness and being. And from that stance, I, I don't take people's stuff on because it doesn't belong to me. That's good. Um, we, are, we, both, um, so. we both need help with that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and 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 I and I would say in 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 the younger part of my career, I I would take it on all the time, mm. you know, and now I'm a little bit more mature mm. in in my own my own development, my own practice, it's easier. And now look, I can't say that you know all week long there are certain clients and certain stories that are just like oh wow, that's oof, that's yeah. rough, you know. So 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 it's not like I'm unmoved or I'm cold and distant. Is that for the most part? I'm able to allow what happens without it becoming mine. Yeah. Sometimes it's just painful from, from a human perspective to you know witness and hear what goes on. And what I do with that, I mean, you know, there are many things you can do with that. You can you can hold a loving heart space for what comes up and and, and allowing a lot of room. I call it giving it room. So and and, and what's interesting is the more you're embodied. You don't bleed out to the other person. The key is not to lose your sense of self to go to the other person. The tendency with therapists, like something's going on with the client and they leave themselves to go towards the client. No, you have to stay centered within your own being. Mm -hmm. Then that allows you to actually be present without picking it up. So it's a particular way of being there. And then, you know, of course, I mean, I meditate a lot. I do my own yogic practices. I, I do I, I do all those things that uh, help me not to get bound up. I've got a random one for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, sure. okay, thinking about like people that develop clairvoyance and they can hear spirits or speak to spirits, does that get, when they are first developing that gift, does that get confused with, oh, like mental health issues, schizophrenia, something like that? Do you see that much in your industry? I don't particularly work with, with schizophrenia or yeah. the psychosis, the psychosis realm, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of clairvoyance, um, 
that's something that each one of us can actually develop. So I don't want to put that into some kind of spiritual mysticism. Mm-hmm. It actually is, it, it actually arises out of the clarity of who I am. And then by nature, we're going to be able to perceive information that was not perceptible while we were still very dense in our, in our, in our ability to perceive, you see? So I'm not crazy even about the word clairvoyance, right? Yeah. I, I think, it's, a, it, I think it's, it's about a deep knowing and an intuition that, that we can perceive. And, and it's not magical. It's, I actually believe that it's quite natural. Um, I recently um, read a lot about detoxifying the pineal gland um, to help along with that process. Um, And I'm also thinking about um, detoxifying water. Um, Have you come across that? Okay. So there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff out there now. Yeah. Um, I have my, I have my perceptions, <laughs> but if we look, if we look at the pineal gland, where is the pineal gland sort of say located? It's located in this, the sixth chakra. So it's not the gland it's per se. Let's talk about like the gland is the physical manifestation right next to the sixth chakra. So if we're cleansing the pineal gland, I would say more so open up the sixth chakra and seventh chakra. It's gonna do the same thing just by breathing and embodying the sixth and seventh chakra and clearing the baggages out of that, <laughs> you're gonna get the results that one is looking for. You don't need to go, I need to clean out the pineal gland. Yeah. Whatever is, whatever is physically manifest, by the way, is already the expression of the subtle body clear out the subtle body, then what is manifest will be clearer. It's like so funny that we do it the other way. It's a very, still a, still a separation between body and mind. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, like I'm a solid body. So therefore I'm going to go clean the pineal gland and I'm going to have wisdom. <laughs> what, what do you mean when you say cleansing water? Um, there was um, a lot of reports about the water in the UK is uh, filled with all sorts of chemicals mm-hmm. which can um, collect, so to speak, mm-hmm. and cause issues in the pineal gland. Okay. Yeah. That could be that could that could be causing issues anywhere. I mean, in Greece yeah. here, I have to get a water filter because they have a lot of chlorine, right? Yeah. Yeah. We have but, a lot of. So- yeah, so the, the issue is not that it's going to directly impact my my wisdom and my pineal gland. It's just going to be it's going to be toxic to my entire body. I mean, so I, I'd be very careful of a lot of people selling a lot of things very quickly and trying to make a lot of money on things. Yeah. So especially now that spirituality is exploding, everybody wants to be being like, drink this and you're going to have enlightenment. Yes. <laughs> One ninety nine at your local grocery store, and you got it. <laughs> ignore all the you know the great you know masters and teachers and students who spent 20,000 hours or more <laughs> meditating but you can get this all here yeah <laughs> I know we've spoke about shadow work but I did also want to touch on shame so do you have any tips for our listeners on how to work through shame is there anything they can do at home to start working on this and I suppose what 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 do you what is shame to you how how do you explain that 
Remember what I said to you, what happens with trauma? Trauma creates that there's something wrong with me. Well, what happens when we experience that there's something wrong with me? What are the, what's the next two emotions that are going to come up? Shame and guilt. So do you work with, do you, so do you need to work with shame and guilt or do you need to work with the fundamental experience of not feeling whole? Our work is to return back to our embodied being where there is no longer any, any negative experience about ourselves, which then has no shame or guilt. Shame and guilt are the shadows of just like having a tree. If you have a tree, then you have the shadow. If you don't have a tree, you don't have a shadow. Yeah. Well, what's the tree? What's the tree? There's something fundamentally wrong with me. I'm lacking. There's a, there's a lack ontologically with me. And therefore, that produces the shame and guilt. And then what do I do? I need to work on my shame and guilt. And oh, how, many, how, do, how do you work on shame and guilt? To do what? Well, I've read books on it. You have to resolve. You have to resolve. <laughs> I read the wrong book, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure there's good self-help books, but I'd like to hear from people when they read those books, if it really lets them resolve the shame. Yeah. If Okay, here's a random question for you. You're further along your journey, as you said. So if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? Trust. Yourself Trust. or other people? Trust, trust that as life is unfolding, that you can that you can relax and see and figure out what you need to figure out in the way that it's unfolding, not somebody else's life, not some other other circumstance. Not it's like right there, right in the living of your life, is the opportunity to be whole. Right there, not somewhere else, not down the road. There, in that moment, in that space, in that time. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm writing that down. <laughs> oh, you're very wise. We can yeah. learn uh, uh, so much from you just in this uh, 45 minutes. So. Yeah, there's a lot to be, a lot. Um, we're, we're still, I would say, young in our journey yeah, in, into definitely. this. So there's a lot um, that we want to cover ourselves over the next lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> in doing these podcasts, people are asking me all these different questions. What I think people don't realize is all these questions are not separate from the one answer, you see. So what ends up happening is when clients come into my office, they're like, oh, it's this problem, and then it's, it's this problem. No, it's not those different problems. Those problems that are perceived as different problems are simply the doorways to recognize that I'm still operating from an unconscious conditional way and that I must return and heal that to return back home. Therefore, it's not that you guys are young in this journey. It's more that the major aha to have is that there's not a lot of things going on. It's simply, I'm having homesickness and homesickness shows up in all these different ways. So how do I resolve being homesick? Come back to the body, come back to your embodiment, come back to your wholeness then all the questions that you have will be answered by the one answer. There's only one answer. There's not many answers and there's not many problems. There's just one problem. That's it. That was amazing. So, you just gave me goosebumps. So if you, can, if you can operate from that stance, then you don't have to worry about being young and discovering a lot of things. You'll discover on, on how to become clear and understanding how 
what I mean by that, meaning that as the hologram is expressing itself, meaning that, that the way that life is expressing itself, and you go, that is expressing the conditioning. That's correct. Wait, wait a yeah. second. All, all of this is a theme. It's a theme. They're not different themes. It's one theme. Homesickness. I like that homesickness. Mm. We've got to find our way home. You are home, right, right here, home. right, right, right here, right now. Yeah. Just by, by, just by breathing, settling into the body, feeling that you're everywhere in the body all at once, stepping back away from thinking and emotions and sensations, giving them some room. Here we are, right now, right here, we're home. Not someplace later, not somehow else, here. That was beautiful. <laughs> it was. I felt yeah. very, very emotional then. Yeah, I felt very relaxed. <laughs> We'd like to thank you very much for your time. Um, you, it both. has been truly inspirational yes, for both of definitely us. Definitely inspirational. You should definitely write a book. <laughs> No, I'm joking. <laughs> that's, 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 that's in the plan, actually. <laughs> yeah. works. Well, let us know, because we will definitely be interested to read that, wouldn't we? Yes. <laughs> in, the next, in the next year or two. I'll actually plug somebody's book who I really, really love. And I would say, like, you know, I'm circling back around to what you had asked me. Yeah. Uh, there's a woman by, by the name of Sherry Huber, H-U-B-E-R. And she writes beautifully and it's written almost in a kid's form yeah and my favorite my favorite book by her it's called there's nothing wrong with you even the title sounds good yeah that book alone is priceless if if, if people read that and really grasp the meaning of that book it's incredible how far along they can get just in in the deep understanding of the of the of the ideas and the practices there within there so thank you very much for the recommendation yes no that's been brilliant it's been amazing to meet you um you thank too. you for your wisdom thank you, thank you very thank much thank you i i love this process and anytime you guys want to chat again yeah uh, definitely, you definitely want we'll, to talk we'll, to we'll, do, we'll do we'll do it again yes yeah. brilliant all right Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Let us help you continue getting your shit together. Subscribe to the podcast to catch every episode. And look out for our mini-sodes where we discuss the ridiculous things we've done over the years on our own quest for happiness. Follow us on Instagram at findyourhappyofficial. Catch us on TikTok at findyourhappyofficial. And we have a Facebook page called findyourhappyofficial. Until next time, stay happy.